John chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, and when the Bible says it, it's worth paying attention to. John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and His disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Now, you can go to a lot of people for advice in this world. Everybody offers advice. Everybody on Facebook wants to give you advice. Everybody uh, at the grocery store wants to give you advice. But man, God has sure given some wisdom to moms to give great advice. Amen. Heavenly Father, please bless today. I ask that your Holy Spirit would be present in this hour, and I pray, Lord, that He would be upon me as I try to speak your word. I pray that the hearers in the room today would listen to the Word of God and react accordingly as your Holy Spirit leads them. I ask, Lord, for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading an article just yesterday and I was fascinated at uh, uh, what the reporter decided to do. In a town called Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, every year this particular senior citizen's home has a Mother's Day uh, a supper to honor all the mothers that are in the home. This reporter thought it would be a good idea to go interview some of these mothers. And so before the event began, she sat at a table with eight mothers who averaged 85 years old, who averaged over 50 years of marriage, and had 28 kids uh, 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 all together. She just wanted to get their opinion on some motherly advice, and so she began to interview them, if you will. The first question she asked was why they felt it was so important to be a mom. One of the ladies spoke up, and she said, I think the most important part of being a good mother is teaching your children right from wrong. If you do that right from the start, your children will grow up to be good people. Well, we need more good people in this world, don't we? Even Texas, where everybody's supposed to be friendly. Have you noticed not everybody's friendly on I-35? Have you noticed this? Am I the only one? 
right there where the U-turn is on 174 in front of H-E-B and uh, Chick-fil-A. Have you noticed not everyone is always friendly? We need some more good people in this world. And I like that advice that mother gave. Another mother added after she heard the first mother's response. She said, we also made sure our children were in church on Sundays. And in those days, that meant getting up early for Sunday school and being there every Sunday. Well, that's some good advice. From a preacher's perspective, let me tell you right now, that's good, godly advice. One of the ladies added on this particular subject of the importance of being a good mother. She said it was also important to be a good wife to your husband and love at all times. If your children see how you treat your husband and how he treats you, chances are they'll do the same thing when they have spouses. And that doesn't mean walking out when times get tough. That's where love comes in. Well, that's good advice. These women, uh, uh, older ladies at this senior citizen's home, sure could give us some good advice. The interview closed with this final question. She said, do you have any advice for younger mothers who may read this article? One mother kind of summed it all up and said this, always be a lady. Men will respect you. Your children will admire you. And your husband will love you. Boy, that's good advice. You know what I've noticed? Experienced godly mothers give fantastic advice. This morning as we read through Scripture, we find the mother of Jesus at a, at a marriage and a problem occurs. And I wonder if we could kind of get into our little Scripture time machine and go all the way back and as this uh, interviewer sat down at the table with these ladies, I wonder if me and you could sit right across from Mary, the mother of Jesus, and ask her for one piece of advice. I wonder if we couldn't find the same piece of advice in verse number 5. Notice with me. Verse number 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Mothers, the best advice you can give your children, the best advice you can give your grandchildren is, whatsoever He saith, do it. Man, if, if Mary had some wisdom she could give us, I still believe it'd be the same today. Whatsoever He saith, do it. But I want you to notice a few things about Mary this morning from our passage. Number one, I want you to notice this. Her anonymity. Look in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Do you all notice an omission from Scripture at all? Her name's not there. In fact, just about every time the author of this particular book, John, refers to Mary, he never mentions her name. In fact, when you hear most people reference Jesus, in almost every case that I can find, they reference Him as the son of Joseph. Mary, the actual mother, the earthly mother of Jesus, got no credit. I wonder if moms, you occasionally feel like you don't get enough credit. 
I wonder if maybe you think that you go through a lot of things and, and we, are, we as husbands and we as children do not thank you the way that we ought to. Being a mother is a thankless job. A thankless job is defined as this, where a person gives much more than they could possibly be compensated for. We do this often with police officers with firefighters, with men who go to fight for our freedom, those men and women have thankless jobs. We could never repay to them the debt that we owe them. And yet I look on TV and there's television shows made about them. Every TV show you see is uh, uh, a Chicago Fire or, or Blue Bloods or something like that where, where we're looking at the life of a, of a police officer or a firefighter or, or, or someone who's fighting for our freedom overseas. You know, I don't know if we could ever thank them the way that we should, but I, I think that we do admire them. We don't thank mothers enough, but we certainly don't admire them enough either. I got to thinking what a show of motherhood would be. So I created a five episode season. You with me? You with me? We call it the Brotherhood of Motherhood. That's the series. The Brotherhood of Motherhood. Episode one, I think this would be a good start. The diaper of Doom Doom. What do you think about that? Would you, is that something that we all would watch? I, I don't know. Uh, uh, episode 2, The Stain Game. I'm not sure if this is a carryover from Episode 1. I didn't really think that much into it, but... Uh, episode 3, Raiders of the Lost Nap. <laughs> episode 4, The Forgotten Anniversary. I'm sure that's never happened to any of you mothers in the room... And then the season concludes at the peak, the summit, if you will, of Mount Kiliman Laundry. <laughs> now, I'm being kind of funny about it, but let's be honest. Dad, sometimes we get home and we think, you know, I've been out earning the bacon all day and I've been out working hard and, and we do not give mothers the credit. I know, for instance, my wife, she works up here at the church all day wrestling with Bailey because heavens knows I can't put up with it very long. And she does all that and then she goes home and then starts on laundry, starts on cooking, starts on getting me sweet tea. And I tell you what, I do not show the appreciation that she deserves for it. Being a mother is a thankless job, but let me say this, it is a worthy job. Mother, you've been put there, and the influence you can have can never be stated enough. I want you to notice her anonymity. I want you to notice, secondly, her answer. Verse number three, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, Now that's Jesus. They have no wine. There's a problem here. And and, and the problem doesn't necessarily involve Jesus, just so we're clear. Jesus was not helping plan this wedding. Jesus was, it seems as we read Scripture, almost a late invitee, if you will. And, And she's there. They have no wine. They want wine. And as far as I can tell, Jesus has never performed a public miracle, at least. And she looks at Jesus and says... They have no wine. She took 
her problem to Jesus. Mother, I know you encounter problems all the time. Uh, You probably encounter problems with a husband that goes golfing or fishing or hunting too much. Maybe you encounter problems with children that are not respectful, that do not do all that you think they ought to do. Maybe occasionally when your child takes the crayon from the canvas to the wall, maybe you feel a little overwhelmed. Where do you take your problem? You take it to social media because I've noticed that's usually a source of resolution. Where do you take your problem? Do you call up your, your, your other mother buddies to tell them of all the failures? I read yesterday an article that was nothing but a mother complaining about how her husband does not give thanks enough for her. And it was not one of edification or uplifting. It was just, I hate my husband. I'm going to kill him. That, maybe that was omitted. But if you read between the lines, it was there. Where do you take your problem? Do you blog about it? I think as a godly mother, you would take your problem to Jesus. That's what Mary did. The problem was not necessarily involving Jesus. Maybe you've got a problem with something in your life. Don't take it to other sources that don't have answers, that have no more experience or knowledge in the situation than you do. I've never understood taking uh, our, our earthly problems to other uh, humanly sources. Let's take our earthly problems to a divine source. Let's take our problems to Jesus. That's what Mary did. And her answer was not one that, that said, well, I, I think we can maybe go down to the 7-Eleven and get a little bit more wine. Or I, I don't know. She said, let's go to Jesus and ask Him about the problem. I'm reminded of Hannah in the Old Testament. Did you know that Hannah had a, 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 a somewhat of a, 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 another wife, if you will. Her husband had another wife. And that wife was blessed with children and Hannah was not. Every year her husband would go up to the temple and she understood that she was the one without the children and her husband took great care and even said to her at one point, don't I take more care of you than what ten sons could provide? The Bible tells us that she grew bitter. It was hard on her dealing with that. And let me just say this, maybe there's a mother in the room today who is not able to have children. I don't know, but... Maybe there's a mother in this room who was not able for some medical reason or for some other reason to not have children. Let me just say this. God understands what you're going through. God understands what you're dealing with like no man can or like no other woman can. Maybe there's a mother in this room today who's dealing with the loss of a child. And I'll tell you firsthand, there's nothing harder than dealing with the loss of a child. God knows what you're going through. The Bible tells us that Hannah took her problem to God. And in fact, it it literally says, and she cried in bitterness of soul. Sometimes you feel like your problem may have put you in a place where you don't feel qualified to go to God in prayer. Let me tell you now, when you get to that place, that's when you need prayer the most. She cried unto God in anguish and in bitterness of soul and asked for a son. And God helped her and answered her prayer. Mother, where do you take your problem? Husband, where do you take your problem? Because talking about it on the golf course doesn't help anything. We talk about a lot of foolish things when we're on a fishing boat or when when we're doing our thing, but where do you take your problem? I don't think that taking it to Jesus is solely a a mother's responsibility. I think taking our problems to Jesus is rather a good Christian activity to perform 
Where do you take your problems? First of all, her anonymity. Second of all, her answer. Thirdly, I want you to notice this, her advice. Verse number 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I like that. She says, listen to me, he'll take care of it, do what he says. And you know what I've noticed? It's an easy thing to uh, say, it's a difficult thing to do. Oh yeah, just do what God says. You ever had somebody uh, 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 say right in the middle of your problem or your crisis in life, oh God's got it all figured out. That's exactly what you want to hear at that moment in time, is it not? God's got a plan. Sometimes doing what God says is a little bit more difficult than saying we should do what God says. But I want to remind you, when Mary said, just do what He says, this was not coming from a a perspective of inexperience. If you'll remember in her life, very early in her life, when she was just a young lady, God came to her and told her He was going to use her in a way that could bring extreme shame to her. Mary, I'm going to give you my son, and you are going to bring him into this world. But Lord, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? Do you think in the back of her mind, she wasn't just thinking medically, I know not a man. She was thinking socially, Lord, everybody's going to look at me and say, I I, I messed around. I, I, I did something I shouldn't have done. Do you think maybe she understood the repercussions of what God was asking of her? When she said, just do what he says... She understood that when God has a plan, it always comes to pass. When you just do what God says, when you just stay committed, when you just stay faithful, it all works out. Her advice was just do what He says. A while back, I I had a possum getting into my trash. I leave my trash right by my front door so I can back up and pull, uh, put it into my pickup truck and I take it uh, to the dump. And, and I had a possum getting into my trash. And I, every once in a while I would open the door and there that possum would be laying in the middle of my trash. And I didn't have a weapon on me. Uh, and uh, so that possum would get away every time. And one day I told my mom, I said, Mom, i got this possum. And now it's getting to like Ninja Turtle sewer size, Okay. This possum's getting out of control and he's getting comfortable being in my trash every night. So my mom sends me a text message not not long after I had told her about all the positive things that uh, possums do. They eat uh, uh, rodents and and they, they eat bugs and all these sorts of things. It was like a wanted poster almost, but the opposite, like wanted. We want you to keep these alive. And I text her, I was like, if he'll stay out of my trash, he'll stay alive. (laughs) So about two weeks later, I go over to my mom and dad's house, and there's the 22 leaning up against the door. The 22, it's a little little rifle. I said, what's the the rifle doing out? Mom's got a possum getting into her chicken coop. Wait a minute! (laughs) My trash... Is okay. But man, you start getting into mama's chickens. Boy, bounties on you. (laughs) Giving advice is easy. Following advice is hard. When Mary said, just do what he says. You know what what she was saying? From personal experience. When I did what God said, he blessed me in ways I cannot even tell you. 
Just do what he says. Mother, encourage your children with everything that you can to do what God says. There's nothing greater in life. I don't care if you're called to be the the, the wealthiest person, the the greatest CEO, the the most knowledgeable doctor, the, the most effective surgeon. I don't care all those professions. Take a back seat to someone who is able to just do what he says. So many mothers encourage their kids in pursuits that really are pointless. Mothers, spend some time encouraging your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. First of all, Mary's anonymity. Secondly, her answer. Thirdly, her advice. Fourthly, I want you to see this. Her authority. This is very important. Do not miss this part of the sermon. Her authority. Now, she's almost anonymously labeled in this passage, the mother of Jesus was invited. She's not even given the recognition that she's probably likely due. And I would assume, based upon what we know of this time period, that a woman would not have much influence over men. I think you could safely say that uh, she had no real say. And here she is looking at a group of people and saying, whatever he says, just do it. And I want you to notice the dominoes that begin to fall. Notice the influence that she has. First of all, her influence over the fillers. Verse number 7, Jesus Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. Okay, well that's easy enough. And they filled them up, to the brim. Now, maybe this is just me reading into my Bible a little bit more than is there, but does it seem like it would have been easy to just fill them and not actually have to fill them up to the brim? I wonder why the Bible goes the extra step to say, it, it could have easily just have said, they filled them up. No, 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 no. They filled them up to the brim. You know what's good is when you get a glass of sweet tea that you have to be super good at at balance just to get it to your lips. You know, when my wife brings me sweet tea that's kind of combed over the top, I I thank the Lord right there for it. I just go buy her a massage for getting me that much sweet tea. You know what that is? That's filled up to the brim. And I wonder as these servants heard Mary say, just do whatever he says. I wonder if the passion in her voice and the excitement about the prospect of what he was about to do for them, I wonder if that influenced them not to just fill them up, but to fill them up to the brim, never having seen a miracle of Jesus, never having seen anything great from this man, possibly very little even knowing his name. And then she says, guys, I'm telling you, you may not have been experienced with this fellow before, but when he says do something, you just need to stand up and do it to the best of your ability. So these servants meet around these wash pots there, and they're filling them up, and probably one named Jack and the other named Jethro. Jack looks at Jethro and says, you think that's good? Jethro looks at Jack and says, I think we ought to keep going. Jack keeps going. All the way to the brim. I wonder if her passion for Jesus affected their performance for Him. She looked at them and said, whatever He does, do it. 
I like how later on the Bible tells us that the governor of the feast did not know, but it gives us in quotation marks. Oh, but the servants knew. But the fillers knew. Oh, they, not everybody was privy to what was going on behind the curtain in the kitchen. Not everybody knew. Oh, but the servants knew. Mary's passion for our Lord calls them to know about Him. She affected the fillers. She affected, secondly, the feasters. Verse number 8. And He saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. Now, I don't know if y'all feel the same way I do, but if I have got this Jesus making water to wine, I would be curious as to how it tastes. This last uh, ladies' conference, Brother Sean was making sweet tea. Do you think we sent that sweet tea out without tasting it? If you want a mutiny on your hands, that's what you do. You send under-sweetened sweet tea to a group of ladies, I tell you, that does not work out well for you. So what do you do? Well, you don't just take it directly to Mary Bernie. That's a, be- well, that's a worst idea you can have. You, you, you taste it. You test it. Jesus says, no, guys, trust me. Take it to the, straight to the governor of the feast. No testing, no tasting. You just take it to him. And the Bible goes on to tell us, in verse number 10, after he had called the, the bridegroom to him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. When men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. She affected this feaster, this governor of the feast. He looked at them and says, guys, I've never had anything like this. Most of the time I come to these things and everybody uh, drinks and drinks and drinks and when they don't care what it tastes like anymore, they continue to drink. So they put the good first and the the worst last. But you've saved the very best that I've had for now. She affected him. Not only did she affect the fillers, the feaster, she affected Jesus' followers. Verse number 10, if you will. No, verse number 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth His glory. Notice this. This is so very important. And His disciples believed on Him. Are you telling me right now that Jesus had disciples that had not yet believed on Him? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Jesus received an invitation and His disciples received an invitation, the Bible tells us. Now, as a result of the miracle that Mary has had a hand in and encouraging all these people to follow everything that Jesus says, they've done it. Now the miracles come to pass. The disciples of Jesus' faith is taken off of something else and placed on to Jesus. Mary never went down the Romans' road. Mary never opened a Bible, but her faith in Jesus allowed this miracle to take place. And as a result, others believed on Jesus. Mama, the most important thing you can do is make sure your children are saved. Make sure they know Jesus is their Savior. 
This morning, under the sound of my voice, I am quite certain in a group this size, there is probably one that doesn't understand fully what the term saved or unsaved means. I'll tell you this, saved is believing on Jesus. Unsaved is believing on anything else. Jesus looked at His disciples and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, there is none none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible tells us that he that believeth on the name of the Son of Jesus, hath a Son of God, hath life. He that believeth not is condemned already. You understand, being saved means you believe on Jesus. And if you have never taken a moment to bow your head before God and ask Him to be your personal Savior, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not saved. But if you, as an encouragement from this miracle, like these disciples, they took their faith off of works, they took their faith off of wealth, they took their faith off of any amount of things that it could have been on, but they took it off of something and they placed it on Jesus as a result of Mary's faith. I don't know what you could possibly be trusting in today. This world allows you to trust in whatever you want to. Maybe you're trusting in the fact that you're a good person. I'm telling you now, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says there is no works ever going to get you to heaven. Maybe you're trusting in the fact that you've lived a, a, a fairly good life. Maybe, maybe when you stand before God, your works and your, your, your uh, uh, bad things will be put on a scale and you'll hope the good will outweigh the bad. I'm telling you right now, the book of Romans tells us that we are all sinners before God and we all fall short of His glory. The most important decision you can make today is not whether or not you honor your mother. I think that's a given. The most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life is what your faith is on. And these disciples place their faith off of something else and put it directly on Jesus. You know, I read about Mary here and I, 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 I'm almost somewhat compelled at the fact that she is so unknown, so unpublicized. I think the Bible did it intentionally because the Bible knew, God knew in His sovereignty that one day, thousands of years later, there would be a religion that would idolize her and put her on a pedestal. And here we have uh, this passage of Scripture that only vaguely alludes to her and her faith. And yet... I look at the passage and it is riddled with her influence. She influenced the followers of Jesus. She influenced the feasters that were there. And she influenced the fillers who would, uh, the servants who would fill up the, the, the stone with water. Mom, you may think that you don't have any influence. You may think that nobody ever listens to you. Like when you say no, they still do it anyway. You may feel as if nobody ever listens to your voice, but I'm telling you right now, the influence you have is great. Whether you get thanked or not for it, the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis, the actions that you put in play on a day-to-day basis will echo in eternity. A while back, when I was about 16 years old, 15 I guess, I was starting to learn how to drive. And actually, that's incorrect. I had been driving since I was about six years old, but I was actually having to put it on paper that I was learning to drive. 
And so my mom was helping me through this course. My dad had already given me many lessons on a golf, cor- golf cart and a mule and a four-wheeler and, and, uh, and many times in his lap as I would drive. And, and so uh, we had done these things, but my mom was trying to log all of the hours that I had put into driving so that I could qualify to get my driver's license. Early on, I'll never forget her teaching me some things. And, and if you want to know why I drive crazy, it's because the person who taught me drives crazy. That's the exact reason. But I agree with my mom. Why be in a car and go slow if it can go fast and you can get to your destination quicker? It doesn't matter where other people are going. If you see somebody with their flashers on, they're asking you to cut them off. That's what, that's, that's what my mom taught me, I think. I'll never forget... As all these lessons, all these things, there was this one time when I was driving and I was learning the concept of right on red. And how many of you enjoy those signs that have no right on red, the anomaly, and somehow we're expected to follow that? Thank you, Hidden Creek Golf Course. That blows my mind. I broke it the other day and I thought, oh, now I'm supposed to see the sign that I'm past it. I'll never forget as I was learning this concept, she was teaching me. I pulled up to a light, and as soon as I pulled up to it, it turned yellow. And I did what felt right. I reacted the way that seemed appropriate. I paused uh, long enough to look, uh, just to make sure that nobody was coming, since I had the right-of-way. I looked to my left. I saw nobody was coming, so instead of coming to a complete stop like you're forced to do on a red light, I I somewhat rolled through it, but I I technically still had the green light because it was yellow. Y'all with me? I know that sounds confusing, but that's actually appropriate way to drive, I I think, maybe. Or I I was taught wrong. I'll never forget what my mother said. She said, you did that perfectly. That's right. And certainly my mother doesn't remember that. The collision from the car caused her to lose her memory. Listen, if I can remember some obscure driving lesson, I tell you what, your children remember far greater things. Far more impactful things. Mom, you have a tremendous influence. Don't ever think because you're a mom, nobody cares about what you do, nobody cares about what you say, nobody uh, looks at you and obeys you. Don't ever fall for that lie of the devil. The Bible tells us that we are to honor the law of our mother and it will be an ornament to us moving forward in life. Be careful, moms. Don't fall into the trap that you have no influence. 